who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Are you ready for the news with a side of bell pepper? Seriously, what the f are you doing? It's time for Trend Lightly. No! With America's sweetheart! With America's sweetheart! Oh my god! The Queen of Glendale! Glendale. Who are you? The Irish American Tornado! Surprise, motherfucker! Molly McAleer! Molly McAleer! Welcome back, everyone, to Trend Lightly. You may be listening to a different voice introducing you. It is I, Tiffany, and with me, the queen of the internet herself is Molly McAleer. Hey girl. Hey. Oh my God. I loved it. You did great. (laughs) Thank you so much. (laughs) You did amazing, sweetie. Can we talk about the Wordle thing really quickly? Okay. Yeah. Talk to me about Wordle. The New York Times bought Wordle. And I mean, a lot of people are saying that the game has really changed since the takeover. Are you still playing? To be honest, no, not really. I, I like it. I like it. It's like the first thing I kind of do. Like mm. I, the cats start who are screaming in the background now and I apologize. I'm just not going to be able to stop it. <laughs> they once they start, you know, poking me in the face until I wake up, I go down, I feed them. That's basically the first thing I do. Sometimes I pee. Lately, I haven't had to pee so much when I wake up, which is nice. <laughs> that is nice. And then I go you know, I check the news, make sure that. Russia hasn't invaded us, which, by the way, I only found out about like two weeks ago. I'm going to be honest. I kind of like checked out of like U.S. political news once I didn't have to worry about Trump every day. And for people might say that's the problem. No, no, no. The problem was is that we had too much news for a very long time. Yes. So I guess, you know, for some reason, people believe that and maybe maybe there's something out there that I didn't see, but people believe that the New York Times Wordle has 
been different than the original Wordle. Like words like cynic, words like swill. People are complaining about repeating letters, but I think there was repeating letters occasionally in Wordle before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, for any of my Wordle heads out there, I'm thinking of you. I I wanted to go live on TikTok and do Wordle because a lot of people, it's a big thing on live right now to be doing Wordle. But TikTok did change their guidelines recently. One, I can't vape on there anymore, which is insane. I know. It's so sad. It's like my favorite thing to do. Like, they must have known that I showed up on the app and were like, okay, we cannot encourage one fucking thing this bitch does. Like, anything you could do, anything I do, you are now not allowed to do on TikTok. (laughs) So... Yeah, any of you guys who are into Wordle, I might go live on TikTok and start doing it from time to time. But I'm a cute. I'm a mean Wordle player. Like I don't have any I don't have any fucking time. Whenever I see a Wordle live and I go in there, people are throwing out things where I'm like, "Dog, can you not like read? Like can you like put the like how are you on here? Like it'll be people using letters that you that are were already chosen. Like it's just it drives me nuts. So I feel like it would have to be like a verbally abusive wordle session. Yes. Yeah, I feel like I would I think I would be frustrated to watch anybody else play wordle but you because I know that you're really good at wordle. I actually very much enjoy when you post your wordle scores in the morning. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I get, I beat myself up real bad if I don't get it in under four or I respect that energy. I think that's why I would only watch you because I don't want to watch some loser getting it on the sixth line. That's not what I'm here for. I am happy though. Like sometimes when you see the journey that someone went on, it's like, you know what? Like you really did that. Like I can guess what your starting words, your starting letters are like you really you really worked on that. Proud of you guys. So if you have any like info on the wordle, if you have any ideas or thoughts, please check in with us on our social medias and tell us how you feel about wordle now. (laughs) Please do. Girl Grimes, we have to get into Kanye. Oh, God. I can't take it anymore. I love that Kanye is now in his lowercase era. I'm really happy for him because... That all caps was very difficult to read. But then he got right out of it. Has he gone back to all caps? I don't know if he's still doing it full time, but he mm-hmm. posted shortly after he posted that still of him at the concert with like the things and like I realize now the thing we read at the end of last week's episode that like the next post after was basically like, psych, I'm back on all caps mode. And then he deletes it all. So we're not even going to get in. It, there's nothing really new developing. It's just apart, more yeah. of the same. It's more uh, of the same. It's Apart from the Corey Gamble stuff, which I very much enjoyed. Oh, I know. Mm. Mm. I know. The Corey stuff is not so apparently Corey and Chris broke up. But I found this video that, I mean, we talked about this a little bit before. Sometimes it's cringy when men give each other like man-to-man talks it really is (laughs) it really is (laughs) and side note I made my therapist laugh this week because I told her that I didn't like to perform for the male gaze because I didn't want to see men happy and that was probably my best joke of the week and it was wasted on my therapist so isn't it nice so that's the person I I like to make laugh the most yeah absolutely I did make her cry as well I don't know if that's good (laughs) 
well, you give the range and yeah. Yeah, that's why, range. you know, amongst yeah. other things, you're such a great host for Tron Lightly. But so I did find this guy, Steve, the bodyguard, Dana. I don't know if this is like he I don't think he's the Steve from Jerry Springer show. Mm-mm. That guy's a little bit vibe. older. But he came with this really, I thought, thoughtful man to man advice for Kanye. And let's just play the clip. Dear Kanye, you've inspired millions of people around the world with your musical genius, but now it's time to inspire millions more by showing men and women alike what real manhood actually looks like, by respecting a woman's right to choose, by letting her live in peace, and by being a good father to your children. She's made her choice. She's filed for divorce. She's moved on. You have to respect her decision. Your time on the world stage right now is far more important than you could ever imagine because each year, tens of thousands of women are stalked, harassed, terrorized, and some are even murdered by ex-partners who act just like you're acting right now. Kanye, the world is watching, and more importantly, young men and women are watching, some of whom don't understand that your actions are abusive. And your children will one day be watching because when they're old enough, they will look back on the public record. Buying a home across the street from Kim under these circumstances is stalking, not simply being closer to your children. Sending a truckload of roses under these circumstances is not romantic, it's stalking. Airing your grievances on social media is cyber harassment. Targeting her new dating partner, Pete Davidson, is harassment and it's weak-minded because he didn't break up your family. Kanye, the time to fight for your family was when you were together. The time for the grand romantic gestures was when you were together. And you have the money and resources to resolve your differences about the children or anything else for that matter through the court system where otherwise reasonable people turn every day when they are unable to reach an agreement. Now it's time to respect her choice and provide her and the children with the greatest protection a man can provide, a sense of peace and protection from behavior like this. If you love her and the children, give them peace. You're a public figure who can command the world's attention. Do something good with it and make a course correction to inspire other men in this position to do better. The world is watching. Okay, if I was in a hostage situation and Steve was outside with a megaphone, I'd feel incredibly safe. When I would like to marry into his family. <laughs> like if he has an older son that's like, you know, divorced, like I feel like this is, I love this man. Good energy, very good energy. And you know, he's so clever by opening it and also f- like flattering Kanye throughout, which he knows is Kanye's love language as being called a genius. Hundo P. This man is only rocking with like 2,788 followers. This is unbelievable. This man should be. I mean, I don't know. There's just, there was so much in there that was so rich. And I really do hope Kanye sees this because I kind of feel like he could get through to him. Yeah. Well, we know he listens to the podcast because he sorted out your Yeezy order. He did. Kanye, that was for you, honey. Listen, honey feel like there is a lot of politicizing of all of this, but it is at the end of the day, this is incredibly scary. Like it just is. Mm-hmm. And 
the idea that he would be able to then turn around potentially and ever say that this was just like a publicity stunt for his record is really disheartening. Yeah. Because I'm also seeing a lot of people being like, I don't like Kim, like, or, you know, Kanye, this man's having his children taken away from him. Like, we know how the Kardashians are. That's a very popular sentiment right now as well, on top Mm. of all the people who are also saying, like, it's giving OJ, (laughs) which Mm. is close close to home for Mm -hmm. Kim. It's, I just, it doesn't matter if you, how you feel about these people, this is really disturbing behavior. Agree. I, I, I loathe that, that I, I don't like the Kardashians, but it's like, you didn't need to say that. We didn't need to know that. Thank you. Right. And I really hope that if later this behavior isn't excused as well, it was promotion for his album because I kind of, you know, that's how Chris Brown has gotten away with it for so long. You know, well, Rihanna forgave him. Well, a lot of women forgive the men mm-hmm. that try to kill them. Mm-hmm. So. I don't know. Listen, guys, bad news. <sighs> Pot roast. Pot roast the cat passed away this week. Mm. If you guys don't know Pot Roast, Pot Roast was like a ragdoll cat with no teeth who was like, you know, strange and the you know, like the jokes were always that like pot roast was taxidermied or whatever, um, had a little bit of an attitude, but pot roast's mom, I think her love for pot roast is what everyone really got on board with. One of their most popular videos is that his uh, mom who doesn't have a public name, she just goes by pot roast mom. That's for the protection of her identity. She had glued all of pot roasts, pulled teeth to a canvas um as a piece of as a piece of art and that was i think one of the first things that really endeared people to pot mm. roast and pot roast mom yeah and if you've ever had a slightly straggly bedraggly animal that you love with like the fire of a thousand suns i think you can relate to pot roast's mom yeah 100% and yeah it's a big deal you know like Noodles over, by the way. Oh, noodle is so over. And pot roast was the was like the the animal of TikTok, right? Like if Crusoe the Dashhand ruled Instagram, and if Grumpy Cat was for the Twitter generation, pot roast was it for the TikTok kids. Yeah. What about Marnie the dog? Do you remember Marnie? Which one was Marnie? Marnie the dog was like the party picture dog. Who I actually met Marnie. Hold on. Oh, this dog with the tongue. Yeah. And I yeah. and Marnie did pass eventually. But Marnie was I, – I cannot believe I met Marnie the night that she also met Taylor Swift. It was like I was at a Grammy party and they were – I mean, Taylor Swift was at like, you know, an actual like truly famous person's Grammy party. But, you know, Marnie was everywhere. And I think it was sort of just like this thing where – yeah, I don't know. Pot roast was a really mysterious creature and it was it was a mass event. Here's a TikTok video from GK Barry that I think summarizes everything. Guys, Pot Roast is fucking dead. This is ruined my fucking year. I can't believe it. Look at him. Oh my god. Why does no we want to die die? 
Why did it have to be pot roast? I'm deleting the app. He wasn't just a cat. Well, he was just a cat, but not to me. <laughs> I know. Honey, I know how you feel. <laughs> yeah, that's got big Adele energy. Yeah. Thank you for saying what I couldn't say, GK Barry. Is that, was that, is that the Adele accent? Yeah, that sort of, guys, no, I can't believe it. Like a fishwife in, yeah. in, in the most loving way. Like if they were, like, I always feel like if Adele wasn't a uh, multi-Grammy award winning, like million dollar recording artist, she would do very well on a market stall selling like bags of clementines. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I honestly think you could put Adele anywhere. Yeah. Like, she could work at McDonald's. She could, you know, she could be the assistant at a Fortune 500 company. Like, you kind of could put Adele oh, anywhere and she'd absolutely. make sense. Absolutely. Did you see that video of her when she was – there was another video of her at GAY. And she's like, why does everyone know that I'm here? And it was like, <laughs> you're very famous. You're in a white suit and you're at the epicenter of all the gays. And you're on a like you're on a podium higher than everybody else in a white suit, being Adele. You have a very famous self. <laughs> of course, everyone knows you're here. And then she's like pouting. It's really funny. She's she looks absolutely out of her mind. Again, great to smoke six with Adele and chat to her. If you're listening, Adele, call us. We would love to do that with you. I yeah. Adele, I'd do anything to hang with you. That would be the best. I don't even need you to, I want you to sing, baby. I don't need mm -hmm. you to do any of that. Like, I just, you're the best. Okay, this is another set. And I want to just really quickly go back and apologize in advance for saying noodle is over in the middle of <laughs> pot roast death announcement. I didn't mean that in a, in a, in the way that it could almost only be perceived. Uh, so <laughs> I, I think Noodle's dad is just taking a break and it was, yes. a, it was a lot. Yeah. Yeah. You've got to be careful. Cause did I tell you I accidentally almost once announced David Attenborough's death on Twitter? No, I was, I was at this like event for like a TV thing. And there was a, uh, there was like a panel where David Attenborough was, was giving a Q and A session. And I I took a picture of him and he like walked past me and I saw him and I tweeted it and I said oh my god David Attenborough dying oh. <laughs> and my friend's mom who was like new to Twitter was like what's happened to David Attenborough oh my god no I was like no I'm dying no Sorry. So yeah, Noodle is fine. Noodle's fine. Noodle's fine. Noodle's fine. Noodle's, <laughs> yeah, he's fine. Okay. This one actually really like, do you know when someone that you just like know tangentially, like mm. that, that you don't necessarily keep up with? I, not that I knew him, know him personally, but the YouTuber Peter Mon was in a deadly car crash. Peter you know, Peter's been sober for a really long time. He was so, you know, he's obviously sober. He's like a YouTuber, does drama channel stuff. But I guess he has epilepsy and he had a few like seizures while he was driving. Oh, wow. And it was like a multiple car, car crash. And unfortunately, one of the passengers in one of the vehicles passed away. 
And Peter is in, I believe he's stable now. He was in critical condition. There's really hasn't been any updates since I think a couple of days ago where his husband basically asked for privacy. Mm. But what a nightmare. Oh, what a total nightmare. That's so sad. I there's something really odd that happens I think when someone who has a really dedicated or they're like known online and then they become either very very ill or they're involved in something really serious and then they just like kind of disappear for a little while and it's like this weird ghostly Mary Celeste thing of like having still having people kind of come and find you through the story that might be you know maybe you didn't follow Peter but then you hear that this YouTube has been in a car accident and then you go and watch their videos like it's like I find it quite ghostly that there's such a huge like legacy of stuff online yeah there was a tiktoker who died pretty early on into the pandemic by the name smoke and hot balls and she was the one who said like it was like her doing a filter of a cat and she said like well, this is, oh my God, it's like an I word. Oh, well, this is like incre- like impossible or something. Or no, I don't know. She was like, she misspoke. It was basically a video of her like misspeaking that like wound up being like a celebrated meme. Oh. But when I like looked back through her page after she died, I was like, oh my God, I feel affected by this. Yeah. Can I just yeah. play one of the classic like, Peter Mon intros that made me fall in love with him when I first started Hell yeah. watching. Okay. He does the same thing every time. Hey, you guys, it's Peter. And I'm back. Of course I'm back. I'm not going anywhere. Boost. I'm YouTube famous now. Available in 2020. The album, Dad AF. <clears throat> There's no business like the beauty industry business like the beauty industry business I know. Like that is that is an insane intro <laughs> as a YouTuber. <laughs> yeah. No, it's not the hey everyone, welcome to my channel or welcome back to my channel type standard intro. Oh, yeah. This is the you know, I mean, Peter Mon, I one of the things that I really enjoyed about him when I first found him was that he has a real like silliness to him mm-hmm. and a, but also a very rich life story. And yeah, I just, you know, I'm wishing the best to Peter and his husband and to the families of everyone who were involved in that accident. I am. Yeah, it's it's a fucking what a sad what a bummer, dude. Yeah, that's really sad. Okay. Tell me about this. Big Jet TV. <laughs> oh, get ready to enter the world of Big Jet TV. This has been a, a really good week for me for disassociation. I've been heavily disassociating all week. First to the figure skating. Sorry to Bulgaria. I watched the short program and the Bulgarian lady did not do particularly well. And I felt bad as we discussed on text. And then, you know, that was like four hours of just people skating. And then just when you thought it couldn't get any more rich for disassociation in comes Big Jet TV and does an eight-hour live stream during one of the UK's biggest storms that goes absolutely viral. So we had this storm hit us, I think it started on Friday, but it started to bubble on Thursday and it hit mostly in the UK 
the southwest of England, southeast of England and Wales, all places where I'm either from or live. And it was like a red storm warning, which the UK never gets. Like we don't really have extremes of weather. Like we usually are pretty sort of neutral. So it was like big panics left, right and center. Like schools were closed, like the full, um, the trains in Wales, every single train was basically stopped from running. Yeah, like there was full like kind of batten down the hatches prepping going on. And so, you know, as everybody was stuck at home, but looking outside and really not seeing very much happening apart from like the bins flapping about a little bit, we were all looking for a little bit of drama from Storm Eunice. And so Big Jet TV is a YouTube channel that is, it's aviation focused and it's more about the um, the nuts and bolts of plane spotting. And they stream from like uh, across the way from Heathrow's runway um, and they stream really regularly. But this is the first time that I think that Big Jet TV went mainstream because of, uh, you know, what else are you going to watch live in a big storm? than ginormous planes taking off and landing. I think at its peak, it had 230,000 viewers watching it. Many people who were not aviation enthusiasts, myself included. And there's something beautifully, (laughs) I don't know what the draw is, but like, I can't articulate it, but just watching a massive plane, like slightly wobbling in the air, like that sense of jeopardy watching it live it's really exciting. It's really fun. I think I might be a plane spotter now. Okay, wait. So what happened with the plane? Well, basically planes were finding, the the winds were were blowing about like 90 miles an hour uh-huh. during the storm. And so when you have like crosswinds like that, the actual like taking off and landing of giant jets, big jets, if you will, becomes like a little bit more of a um, tricky process to say the sure. very least. <laughs> yeah. And Heathrow is, you know, one of the busiest runways in the world is constantly having planes taking off and landing. So for eight hours, we were just, I mean, I wasn't watching it the whole eight hours. I have to say I was watching it about 45 minutes, but for eight hours, this guy was just streaming, streaming videos of the planes taking off and landing. I don't know what kind of powerful zoom lens he has on these fucking, like on his camera, but it was like insane. It was insane. And he was really charming. And he's like in front of the camera, there's bits where he like takes a phone call. He's like, yeah, it's mad. Yeah. There's like thousands of people watching. Yeah. I know. I can't believe it. Oh my God. Okay. Okay. So you have a link here, the best of big jet TV and storm (laughs) Eunice. Do you want to play your favorite parts? Yeah, I'll play a little bit of audio. I mean, it's all pretty much the same throughout, but I think you can hear the joy in this man's voice at hearing at hearing this plane land. <laughs> right, okay, let's... Um... Two, how many, go, three go-arounds before we went live. We'll get one, we'll get one, man, we'll get one. Oh, easy. He's gone. He's gone. Didn't like that. <laughs> so basically what we were seeing on screen there is a is a jet that goes to land, gets very, very close to the runway and then takes off again to go and do another go around. And it's eight hours of that. 
Oh my God. I mean, God bless him, right? And it did better than like Fox News, like basically your Fox News equivalent. Yeah, I think at the moment, the full live stream of that day has over 7 million views and it's eight hours long. I love that when someone whose specialty, that's how I felt about Brian Enton during the Gabby Petito case, which I know is like a grim comparison. But it really, even though he's with like a news station, it felt like you were watching someone do what they like really love to do reporting. Like yeah. in something that every that was so relevant, at least for, you know, that's a period of time. Like, I mean, Brian Enton's like now like the guy. I think that changed his career. And that's what I think you always like hope for when someone who was genuinely chasing stories and putting in hard hours for just the sake of doing it because they love it mm-hmm. gets this sort of attention. And I think like it must have been they're just out there doing this constantly anyway these like big jet tv like jet enthusiasts for a very like niche group of passionate plane spotters who just want to watch planes take off and land like great do your thing love that but these videos don't generally get you know that many views well some of the streams will get like over a hundred thousand but nothing in the region of seven million and just a, it was just like it it captured a moment and I think it was just like a very like it's just so deeply British to be in some extreme weather and just be like hmm I wonder what planes are doing let's watch that let's have a look and see how they're managing this because like honestly I think there there was someone who died they were hit by something some falling oh. debris and there was some like damage and stuff um, that happened because of the storm but it was generally like I think a lot of people felt quite like weirdly disconnected that there'd been all of this disruption for something that felt sort of minute in comparison for something that was just a bit of wind. But it was a, for me, iconic cultural moment. And what I want to do is more watching of incredibly long, slow live streams. And I think this is probably why I love watching people stream the fucking stock market for the entire trading. Uh, yeah. It's the same energy, isn't it? It's like there's a story that's happening. There's a there's a tension. There's a drama. There's jeopardy. Yeah, I mean, the jeopardy in Big Jet TV is we might watch, we might see a plane crash, which is pretty. And you can be like, I was watching the stream when the plane. Well, in LA, we have car chases. Oh yeah, and it's very. That sounds very similar to that. I mean, the car chases are just unbelievable when you get to catch a good one. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they'll they go, sometimes it seems like they're going on for days, you know? But yeah, no, I love this story. Oh, wait a minute though. Now that we're talking about fucking stock live streams. Go on. So your little queen, Miss Queen has COVID. I know. And you know what you have to do. <laughs> what do I have to do? Go there? I told you that if she's going to die, you have to get over there and start <laughs> pumping fucking oxygen into her. You have to keep her alive. I am not dealing with my stocks getting fucked because no. that woman died. I'm just no. not dealing with it. I have no, you know, I have an affection toward her the way I do all old people where, you know, I hope nothing, I really don't want to see anything bad happen to her. But I've got to think about number one right now. Oh, and Yeah. That's the AMC holders. So, <laughs> yeah. And I've just, from a very like boringly selfish perspective, I don't, even though I don't handle cash anymore because it's 2022 and we're essentially a cashless society, 
I do loathe the idea that we've got to change all of her, uh, all of our money when she dies. We just have to get new money. Are you going to keep some? Yeah, I am actually. And it's quite nice when you get a really old coin. Well, when you would get like old 10p coins and you'd have like a bunch of them and you could basically like put them in order of her aging. Yeah. Yeah, because like there has to be some like first editions out there. Yeah. Where she's all like young and stuff. Absolutely. Yeah, you got to keep that. That's for your kids, Tiffany. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I always think when I keep stuff like that. Like even though I am probably going to be childless for the rest of my life, I'm like, this is for my children. I'm just going to tuck this away for my kids. Yeah, yeah. And I'll save for them the best parts of the Big Jet TV storm live as it happened. But I'm just really into this like very – I don't know, man. There's something about like slow, slow TV for want of a better word. Like I know like Norway had that whole like slow TV movement and you can like, you can watch like a, an entire like four hour train ride on Netflix. And if you're a depressed person, a stoned person, if you're a person who simply wishes to check out, this is exactly the kind of content that you need. It requires nothing from you how I feel about like YouTube boxing because of like <laughs> all of the undercards and then yes. like, some, you know, you get about six minutes of real action for like, you know, eight hours of watching a live stream. And I'm very into passively consuming things. I didn't like the thriller s- sponsored events when Jake Paul fought. I don't even remember his name now, but like those that's that's my speed where it's just like soft you know there's like just commentators coming mm. in and out like you know most of them aren't really good like i that's exactly what i like absolutely i've always been surprised that i never have like gotten invested in big brother because i feel like the type of person who would absolutely watch a 24 hour live feed yeah 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 i remember when they first did that when big brother uk was big brother uk the first one i think yeah, it I might think have been so. and I think it was a few years in, like in the UK, they launched this channel called E4. So like uh, Channel 4 was like one of the big channels used to host Big Brother. And E4 was this kind of like youth channel where it was often like a kind of testing ground for stuff that may or may not end up on Channel 4. And during the daytime, they would just have Big Brother on. And that was like my first exposure to like mainstream live streaming. And they used to do this thing um, when you'd be watching it during the day. And I I remember watching it during like the school holidays, like in the summer, where because it was live, but there was obviously a delay, if someone swore or if they were talking about something that they didn't want on the live feed, they would just put bird sound over it. So you would end up watching these like people silently having a conversation with like, like that is very foreign to me and that sounds exactly <laughs> what goes on in other countries to me absolutely <laughs> it's a window into this strange That's little when world. you turn on yeah when you turn on tv on vacation and you're like oh okay like mm-hmm. yeah Bert yeah that's so interesting guys <laughs> did we ever have an equivalent of that my American friends, let me know. I think we, there's, I think there used to be something maybe on MTV where they would just turn on like music, like mm. music you would have heard on TRL or something. Mm. But I might be making that up. That's so interesting. Okay, mm. wait. 
Hi, I'm Madigan from Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist, a podcast that explores the world through a personal feminist perspective. Check out new episodes Mondays and Fridays for a wide variety of topics and news episodes. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Rage on. Girl, Trisha Paytas is preg. I know. How do I'm really pleased for her, but I'm also really scared. I know. I know. I but I feel like everyone is focused on how like Trisha is going to be an unfit mother when I feel like Moses is really much more insidious than Trisha could ever attempt to be. No, I know. I know. I th- I'd say the thing that I'm scared about for Trisha is I'm scared about her. I'm I'm scared about something that I can't quite put a feeling on. And it's not about her ability to mother, but it's more about if God forbid anything was to happen with the pregnancy or if like, because it's very public pregnancy or if there was an ex- if there was another thing in and around Moses, like I'm worried about, I think, her mental health during this time. But I'm also really pleased for her because I know that she really, she really desperately did want children. But I agree, Moses is a little bit of a snake in the grass. Yeah, okay. So like, I will say this. I think that like Trisha will like strip down on a lot of the bullshit if she is experienced like because she plays up a lot I think and I think that is erratic as we see her on camera as as erratic as she can appear and how she's self-diagnosing and stuff all the time I do think that at least on a private level she would sort of like strip down and do what she has to do because I don't think that she would actively abuse a child that she was carrying No. no but So if you, for some reason, did not have the internet during quarantine, essentially Trisha Paytas, who is like this, you know, go listen to other episodes. We talk about Trisha a lot. She went on a podcast called the H3 podcast, which is hosted by Ethan Klein and his wife, Hila. And his wife, Hila, has a brother named Moses, who... Even as like a an H three fan, I would say like I'm a premium member on their channel. Like <laughs> I really enjoy H three, like less so in recent months. But when I was a fan of them before they even started working with Trisha, I had never heard of Moses. I knew that Ela had at least a brother. I didn't know really what was going on. Frankly, I thought most of her family was back in Israel where her mom and dad lived. So mm-hmm. they wind up doing this bachelorette series with Trisha and Trisha clearly like wants to be a part of their family. Um, she wants to be included by them. And I guess that at one point, Ela or Ethan had mentioned that Ela's brother was thinking about signing up, but then he never sent in a video and Trisha and him wound up connecting on social media behind everyone's backs. And it turned into a full-blown relationship that became very serious. Although there's tons of texts out there. And I'm linking to some Trishy Land Reddit stuff in our description so you can see. But Trishy Land is basically where they are like – where. I I guess you could call them snarkers. I would almost categorize this differently than like snark. 
mm-hmm. but it's like sort of this like live journal of everything that's like gone on in their relationship. And there's at least two users in this Trishy land thread who have previously dated Moses. But when Moses and Trisha first got together, he was staying in touch with some of his exes. And there's screenshots where he's saying like Trisha's a mess. He's not sexually attracted to her. He said things about the stench of her private areas, like very like fucking nasty stuff that like a guy. Cruel and nasty. Yeah. Like, you know, this is like, those are the things that when a guy says it, it's just like, ew. Uh, Because not only do you know that like he would say that stuff about you, but Mm -hmm. he is, he's not like he, there's no allowance to be human. Like, let's say, Trisha's, you know, Trisha has bacterial vaginosis, right? Like, I feel like a normal guy would be like, hey, babe, go to let's go to a doctor (laughs) and like also realize that this person has dignity Uh and like doesn't need to have that repeated about themselves. I don't know. I just I know there's like there's ways that like we joke about each other, you know, as men and women, where it feels like some feels acceptable, some doesn't. But I think that's one of the universally sort of unacceptable things is to be yeah. like, her pussy stinks. Yeah, we're, not, we're not children. Like, grow up. So Moses had sent texts to, I believe this is Daphne, who is a girlfriend that alleges that Moses stealthed her, meaning he they were having sex and he took off the condom. In the middle of sex, which is a form of sexual, sexual assault. assault. Yes. Yes. So we also know that Moses, and this has never been said or confirmed publicly by Trish or Moses, but he has two previous wives that he had divorced. And so this is Trisha's first marriage. This is what she's been banking on and wanting for years. And she, you know, he's doing all this behind her back. So there was a conversation where he sent her Moses sent Daphne I believe a picture of his cats and she that everyone says like oh Trisha made him get rid of his cat so that's a whole other thing in this community but she writes oh I miss them I'd love to see you again if you've got any free time spring break maybe and Moses says let's see what happens I might be married to Trisha by then And Daphne says, oh, God, if you Vegas marry her before me, I'll be devastated. And he says, I'll just give her a baby and collect child support. Oh, it's bone chilling. I know it's bone chilling. And like because like this is I think everyone's worst fear, right, is like Mm -hmm. if you're if you're a woman who has like any sort of assets or whatever, your biggest fear is that someone would do this to you. And I know people are going to say, well, the shoe's on the other foot. I mean, listen, it's not right if the shoe is on the other foot either. If it's, it's like, you know, tables are turned. If it was a guy, you know, it, it wouldn't be right either. It's just, it's like kind of insane to see a man put this in text because it's like typically what every man out there claims he is against. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird to see it happen to a woman, basically. Yes. 
Yes, very odd. Very, very odd. Yes. Although I will say that a lot of people who are like, she trapped me for a bit, like, that's not true most of the time. No, and also, like, you as a human being who are entering into a sexual relationship with someone are in control of whether or not you impregnate someone. Like, you have a choice that you can make physically on your person. Absolutely. And Trisha, there's some back and forth stuff about basically the fact that Trisha always said that her uterus was so eaten up by chlamydia. Oh, there's no good way to say that. I didn't know how to say it. I didn't. I was that a Moses type way of saying it. I don't know. But yeah, I, they were so corroded or something. They, they just get full of overgrowth or something. And so she did a test to see where that was at, but she never did any sort of like, I guess, what is the more advanced procedure. And so a lot of people are taking it to mean that Trisha lied about her infertility or maybe exaggerated what a doctor said to her because for many years, Trisha has been very open about the fact that she can't get pregnant Mm. and that she, you know, basically does it raw dog, you know, full blown sometimes even with the intention of getting pregnant on the reg. Like she had said she'd been trying with Moses for quite some time, even though she believed she wasn't capable because she just thought maybe it's going to be a miracle. Right. But it turns out she got pregnant, I believe, right before her wedding. So she was she would have been pregnant at the wedding. And on her honeymoon, which is mm-hmm. another big thing because Trisha probably would have known during her honeymoon that she was pregnant. Mm-hmm. And... There's like several clips of her enjoying alcohol, mm-hmm. which like people are making a huge deal out of. And I understand why, especially like during the earliest stages of pregnancy, it can cause a lot of complications. I do want to remind a lot of you out there that like not everyone has always been trying to like plan pregnancy very actively. You know, like it's sort of, I think maybe in the last like 20 years that I know like everyone is out there, you know, taking their temperature, waiting for the right ovulation. Half your moms were definitely slammed for at least the first six weeks of their pregnancy. Oh, for sure. For sure. Also, like, I mean, on the one hand, if Trisha has got a potentially inhospitable uterus from a history of STDs, then she would be considered a high-risk pregnancy, right? And so it, it would be potentially quite irresponsible of her to consciously do something that might end the pregnancy or cause harm. But on the other hand, what a pregnant person does with their body is kind of none of my business. Hundo P, I'm so with you on that. And also I think that I think what a lot of people are struggling with is the fact that, you know, maybe Trisha never had this like crippling chlamydia because I she did have an STD at one point that got really out of control that's something she's always said from like the very beginning stages it's like when her dad basically like put her into a different apartment and and made sure that she was okay for a while because she was really addicted to pills Mm. but I think what people are responding to a little bit is the fact that it's difficult to know what is actually true 
Yeah, always with Trish. It's very difficult to unpick. I, I always think that what she says, there's a kernel of truth in. It just always depends on like, I, I never really know how big that kernel is, I would say. And I'm the ultimate excuse maker for her and I'll be the first to admit. It's like a huge, it's a, it's a character flaw I have because I really do, I really do think that Trisha means less harm with what she does than pretty much like anything. Like I think she just has this like sort of survivor mentality and Mm -hmm. she has a lot of trauma and I think that she has millions of fact checkers looking for and cross checking like all the different things she said over the years where it's like, you know, if you had a personality, if you if you're anyone, if you're like a normal person on YouTube that has a following, you're going to have people who notice inconsistencies in the way you tell stories over the years. And I think that like, if I look at my own like old writing, the, my understanding of what happened during that time as like a 23 year old, I look at that at 38 years old and I'm like, Oh honey, what are you stupid? Like I, I do. I feel like, what did like, that's such an interesting way of interpreting what was what was there so I think that like you know and I think that she's I think that there's like an entertainer quality of her that doesn't always think about the fact that she's talking about real people yes and she's an unreliable narrator right but we all are as you've just kind of beautifully pointed out we are all unreliable narrators and the problem with Trish is that because she creates content constantly that unreliableness is on display. Yeah. But we are all unreliable narrators. We really are. Like it is very, very, we do not tell the truth about our lives and about ourselves because they are always filtered through our own kind of gaze and our own lens. And it, with someone who has a personality like Trisha's, it's like it, that the filter is and the lens is even, even more warped and heavier. So it's like, well, duh, like, of course, which is why I said, You know, I think there's always a kernel of truth, but like depending on the day, how much that is varies. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I mean, listen, I just don't think that there's people already calling for that baby's going to get taken away by, you know, CPS, like Moses is going to kidnap the baby and take it to Israel. Like, I, I don't know. I honestly do think that. Trisha has a good support system with her mom and her sister. And I think Mm -hmm. she's very lucky for that. Like I look at that and I feel some envy because I'm like, oh my God, if I had like a, you know, just like a mom who like wanted to sell my shit on Depop and like (laughs) a sister who, you know, Callie seems like she really has it together. I, I do feel like, you know, even though some of the behavior Trisha describes Lena having when she was raising her, I do think that like they are a family that will step up and grandparents are very different than parents. And, Mm -hmm. you know, they would be, this is like, you know, a baby brings families together and she has a brother who seems very normal. She has a dad that seems very normal. So I don't think, I think that people are also like overestimating what it will take for CPS to take your child away. Yes. Yeah. And also, just just because you have a mental illness does not mean that you are 
incapable of raising a child. There are yeah. challenges, obviously, but it's kind of, I don't know. We like, we just don't know. We just don't know. We just don't know what it's going to be like for her. It's a thing that she's always really wanted. Yeah. But my, my concern is I really, I really hope that she has like a good, healthy pregnancy because yeah, if God forbid anything happens, if there are any complications, I think that that will be so devastating to her. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm sending you the best, Trisha. And you're so right, by the way, like there's also plenty of like mentally ill people who raise children who don't even know they're mentally ill, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and that's the, that's, I think that those are some of the most dangerous people in society. I caught a little bit of a lie the other day oh, yeah. where Trisha was being asked what baby name she was thinking of. And this is just, this is, if you don't get it, like you don't get it. And this is where it's like, people need to like calm down a little bit. She said one of the baby names she was thinking of was Papermate. And she's like, <laughs> she's really into office supply baby names right now. <laughs> she's such a troll. Like, come on. Like, how are you going to like, do you really think that like, you know, there's incidents, right? But I do I do think that motherhood can mellow some people out and it definitely changes a lot of people's priorities. There are some ins- instances where it doesn't, but it almost feels too on the nose to assume that Trish is going to be a terrible mother. Like, it's like, yeah. guys, you have to like dream bigger, right? Like, you have to like <laughs> think like that's the... You know, if you went into a studio and tried to sell a story where a crazy internet personality turned out to be a bad mom, oh, like lazy. they would, yeah, they'd be like, that's lazy. Like, come back to us with the real story. Like, what really happens? <laughs> so maybe think, maybe try and sell this to Sony and see, see what you do there. Okay, this is so interesting, Tiffany. The hair transplants. Like, remember when all those BBL stories were going viral? Where it was just like plane after plane of like just lines of of women in wheelchairs like flying home, cushions. <laughs> like yes. sitting on neck pillows, or like like just being like in a prayer position on their <laughs> seats, just with their ass hanging off the side. This so there's actually and let's this is about equality right now. Okay, Turkey is also like the hair transplant capital of the world. And you've sent me a couple of videos. Now we put one in the description of people filming airports where there's just (laughs) dozens of men who had had transplants, like either had them on the plane or in TSA or whatever. And I'm telling you, it's overwhelming. Like it's twice the amount of BBLs. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the, the thing about both a BBL and a hair transplant is that they are not discrete procedures. I mean, arguably, you could maybe get away with hiding your BBL if you had enough recovery time in the country of origin of your surgery. But a hair transplant is much, much like it's much harder to <laughs> to hide because you can put a pair of like, you know, compression leggings on a BBL, but you have to like air your head out with your hair transplant. Like you can't just be putting on a baseball cap on that shit it's going to be sore no they have to wear those little like hats that dentists wear those little like tie on things you see that I mean 
Yeah, it's very interesting, but it's I liked that, you know, it was like, yeah, equal rights. Like, <laughs> I really do. Exactly. Exactly. There's absolutely men going to Turkey and getting there. And good for them. I love it when I see those videos of men who get the top of their head shaved. I mean, yes. they're mostly bald, <gasps> but then they have the hair systems. <gasps> oh my god. Yes, I fucking love that shit. I'm so glad you're on the same bit of the internet as me. It's so satisfying, right? Just watching people lose like 20 years off their face with it's, a it's with a wonderful. Wig. It's, it's wonderful. And it's like, I'm so glad that you feel like empowered to do that because like what a simple thing to take care of yourself. And I can imagine that, you know, during a different time, and we're still probably a little bit in that time, but like there would be women who would find out that a guy did that and be like, ew, like not attracted to that. I actually think that's so attractive. That yes. Yeah. Looking after yourself is very attractive. Like it really is. Grooming is very attractive, not to like extreme levels, like, but like the fact that someone like cares about that presentation of themselves is like, it speaks to their it speaks to how they feel about themselves. Or that they're not like denying something that will make them so much more confident and happy. I think yeah. that's it too. Because like a lot of times guys will want something like that and they won't go for it. And it just like it manifests as like an attitude within you. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just it's so nice to see people going for something. I Did you see this guy today or maybe yesterday? I don't know when you saw it. But there was a guy who was doing like some light KKW contouring oh. on his cheekbones before he left the house. Just did a little concealer, a little KKW. And I just was like, fuck yeah. Like, why not? Like, why not? You know, like I'm not, I wouldn't say that I'm like into men using traditionally female beauty products, but what I am into is people taking I, I think it's I think it's very hot, especially when someone takes care of themselves in a way like that. But then doesn't like that where they won't like put that weird expectation on you. Yes, like, or it's you not embarrassing for yourself. Yeah, exactly. And also, like, it's also totally fine to be bold. It's also totally fine to like not buy into certain standards of beauty, whether you're male or female. It's fine to opt out of those things. Like when I say take care of yourself, I'm not talking about like you don't have to. You don't have to fundamentally change this. I think it's about having like a degree of self-love that if you feel like this is a thing that potentially will make you feel better, then not denying yourself that. And if it and if it doesn't and if it won't, then don't do that either. You're absolutely fine as you are. But there it's the like um the shame surrounding doing this kind of thing that is is the thing that's kind of unattractive. Like that you shouldn't be ashamed. Like do what you want to do. I I think that there's a thing where, do you remember, like, I think this is, like, something probably that still happens on dating websites. I haven't been on one in forever. But, like, I keep in shape and it's important to me that you do too. Mm. Right? Like, I think that attitude, it can be – it could easily be confused with that. Yes, because that's not what I – that's not what I'm – at all like advocating for like you are loved exactly as you are however you present to the world but like if you feel good about yourself it really does radiate and if something's dragging you down and it's weighing on your mind but not on your scalp then you can do something and if it makes you feel better then great you shouldn't feel embarrassed about that things you know speaking of things 
Speaking of things you can't fucking change about yourself, let's talk about this fucking Julie. Okay, we touched on it last week and then it it toppled over. It was just beginning to the seeds of it were just starting to happen as a trend when we recorded last week's episode. But I saw a video from Wells Adams, who was a former Bachelorette contestant who is now married to the actress Sarah Hyland from Modern Family. And he did that thing the way that like your shitty, like your friend's shitty little brother would be like, right? Like where he just made this like terrible mocking face. Like, Like literally like the grossest thing a guy can do. Like just mocking the way that someone speaks. And this clip from Spotify has gone incredibly viral. It's just this like one little clip of Alexander Cooper asking, and this is why it's so important that it, don't don't fucking comment on this clip unless you've seen the interview. And I understand not wanting to give call her daddy views, but I do feel like if you're going to make a, a follow-up thesis on why it's insane that Julia Fox implied she's the muse for uncut gems, you should one know what capacity various muses can exist in. Mm-hmm. There's not just ever a singular muse for almost anything that's ever been written, but like you have to understand that the way Alex Cooper herself wrote the questions was fucked up where she was like, "Art, do you consider yourself yay's muse? And then she says, what is a muse? And that is a really strange way to ask that series of questions. And when she says, well, like I was Josh Safdie's muse in Uncut Gems, right? She's referring back to an earlier part in the conversation where she explained to that fucking virgin that when she got her part in Uncut Gems, it was because her longtime friend Josh Safdie had been writing this movie and there was a character that was basically she was the muse for to the point that like they tried to like they had to she basically was called by him so many times and he was like, the script is getting real. This is getting real. And she was like, okay, I see. I see the cards are out on the table. I'll help you finish the part. The character's name was originally going to be Sadie, but that's actually Adam Sandler's daughter's name. So they changed it to Julia because it was the only other thing that made sense because it just was her. And I don't mean this is like a fucking brag or whatever. It's just the truth. Like there are multiple characters that you have probably seen on television. And if they haven't necessarily aired, you they exist in television pilots, they exist in scripts that have sold that, that are based on me, that I was the muse for the character. So, mm-hmm. like, it's not that strange, actually. If you're around creative people, at a certain point, if you aren't a muse for a character, you're just, like, n- no impact. Right. Right. That's what people do is they borrow from the things around them. And the implication that like, I don't know, in this tiny little clip that Julia was somehow putting herself on a pedestal and whatever, is sort of slightly ludicrous to me because it feels like people are sort of implying that she's elevated herself to a status in sort of in this unwarranted way and it's like no like she does talk about this and it is entirely not only plausible but like true and accurate that like someone who she was very good friends with who spent time with her who was writing a thing 
would take inspiration from her. Like, duh. Like, that's how people write stuff. Exactly. And, you know, and you can also (laughs) go visit our, our, uh, you know, you wouldn't download a kidney episode if you want more (laughs) info on that. But, like, there's – my problem with this – I feel in a better mood about this than I was. I warned Tiffany. I was like, this could get dark for me. But it really, really fucking bothers me the way that we silence people in our society. And I don't just mean women. I don't just mean someone like Julia Fox. I don't mean public figures. I mean, the time anyone with like a femme presenting voice, like I I do, I worry about when we make stuff like this okay, I do worry about like how quickly, like how fake some are you, some of you are like with trans women, with like, you know, people who have different types of voices. It makes me, it does. It makes me upset. And again, this is like something that is only hurled at people with like, like femme presenting voices. It really is. It, it bothers me a lot because it is an attempt to discredit everything we say by making the way that we even speak our words sound ridiculous. And it's, it's incredible. It's just incredibly bothersome to me. And then the worst part is, is that when other women get in on it and they start to make men feel like they have the permission to get away with this. And I'm not going to play this video because it's like pointless, but there's this one video of a girl, Camille, who is basically bragging that she was able to introduce the uncut jams meme to her team of male bosses. And her head boss hit her back the next day with like an uncut jams meme, right? Mm. And so you're now these people are getting third hand information, like based off of a viral clip that Spotify did, you know, shout out to them for finding the most ridiculous clip possible and keeping really just like sort of the menacing way that Alex Cooper interacts with human beings on her show, (laughs) keeping her like off camera while Julia Fox is doing that. But I, you know, taking this so that she's like, she's encouraging men at her workplace as an underling. Like you are not even like, do you understand you're just teaching them like they're making fun of you too. That's my big point is like they're making fun of you too for something. And maybe it's not that you speak like that in a way that's comical to them. I also feel like a lot of people think that I'm so enraged about this because I have a similar cadence. It's not that's not why it bothers me. What bothers me is that there's just so much. I don't think Tiffany, this is my theory. Mm-hmm. The reason why a lot of people don't like the cadence that I have and the cadence that someone like Julia Fox has is because it reminds them of someone that they may have never even met. It like reminds them of a cartoonish version of a valley girl or someone they've seen portrayed in a movie or a sketch turning them down. Or mm. it reminds them of someone making them feel like they are less than. And a lot of times those portrayals of women like that are fictionalized or they are exaggerated for comedic effect and often never written by women who actually have that cadence. Mm-hmm. And it's it's this thing that a lot of people are turning to, you know, the reasons why they don't like 
Julia Fox's attitude as they as they say it in that clip, which is again out of context, and she's sort of like re-explaining something to Alex and saying like, "We just spent ten minutes talking about how I was amused for this character." Now you're asking me if I'm gay's muse. Now you're asking me what a muse is. Like, Mm. that's why she's saying it like that. And Julia commented and said, like, give me a break. I was stoned. But that was, like, more patient than I would have been. And, like, I feel that with that, they're assuming the assumption is that she is, like, false or insincere or braggadocious And it just bothers me that, like, you can't speak a certain way without people assuming that, like, you lack humility in any sense. And why are we so fucking desperate to make women feel small and embarrassed? Like, if she knows that she was the muse for that character, then why shouldn't she be able to say it? Why should she be embarrassed by that? Well, because often I think that Women have, uh, no, how do I phrase this? When a woman is self-assured and she is confident and she is confident in her abilities, what many men will want to do is feel like they are the ones discovering that for the very first time for that woman. So if you compliment a woman and she says, thank you, as opposed to like, thank you, I know, as opposed to, oh, oh my God, really? Me? Uh. Then men feel upset by that notion because they want to be the ones that tell us that we're beautiful. They want to be the ones that tell us that we're smart and they want to be the ones that validate us. And when women are able to validate themselves, it puts men in a very precarious position. And and I think that's why we get this like tall poppy syndrome, which is that like, well, you can be tall, but not too tall. You can't ever know how tall and powerful you are. You couldn't possibly know that because if you know that, then you take away my ability to provide that for you. And when you have someone who's effortlessly cool, like Julia Fox, the idea that like when she talks about being amused, whatever, that she knows that she's assured in it, she's confident in it, that she doesn't necessarily need someone to point that out for her is a little bit disarming. And the way that we can go after her and make her feel small again is by mocking her, by mocking the way that she speaks. It's exactly. like it's entry level. It's like, oh, fuck, she's so self-assured. I don't know how else I'll get in. I know what I'll do. I'll mock her. And in the past, look, when I was a fucking, in my previous life as a pick me, like I've made fun of, of that voice. I've done that voice to comedic effect. I've done that voice for boys. I'm also a mimic who does voices all the time. It's not exclusively the Valley girl voice, but, and I feel like embarrassed about that because here's one thing to remember ladies that male attention is in abundance and it's of low value (laughs) like you don't need it it exists and it's very easy to get so yeah I don't know it's I feel a bit you would have it with when it comes to males male attention if you wanted it you would have it you just might you're not getting the attention of the people you want so you feel like you need to embarrass other women but here's the thing right like Tiffany there's a lot of people that go viral all the fucking time on TikTok that have unique voices or whatever, but it's more of like a celebratory thing. Mm. And that's the difference that I'm seeing here is there's this like deep hatred. And I just don't know, like you see people do it with the Kardashian sisters and they're like celebratory because like what they say is so absurd or whatever. But, you know, if you listen to that interview and I understand if you don't want to give Caller Daddy the downloads, 
if you listen to that interview, like there's a point in there where Julia, like, she, I mean, she says some buck wild shit. Like she was like, <laughs> yep. Like, like, do not tell me this bitch isn't humble. Like apparently she went off on her, the father of her son. Uh, sorry. Yeah. Her, her son's father, because she said that he was basically being a deadbeat. And then it turns out that her friend, who's her landlord, came to her and said, hey, babe, like he actually hasn't been ignoring you. He's paid your rent for the last six months. And Alex is like, what do you mean? You didn't know you paid your rent for six months? She's like, I don't know where my fucking checkbook is. Like, I haven't seen my checkbook since 2008. Like, that is so normal girl. And she was like, I, I really do. She's like, I apologize to him. Like, you know, we're like, we're good now. Like, I just didn't know I was wilding out. Like, that's a humble person. Like, you cannot tell me that like, is it, is it normal? Is it normal to you and I No, but like, not everything's supposed to be normal. And trust me, I've been around some, I've been around some of incredibly wealthy, incredibly, incredibly wealthy people. And their minds are a hellscape. Like you don't like you, like there's no like right to bully someone unless they're fucking Mark Zuckerberg and actively like hurting the world because they have money or because they have success or fame. We're going to play some TikToks that I have been thinking a lot about that. I think sum this up well on right popular opinion think we should maybe cool it with the videos making fun of this woman's voice don't know her don't know if she's a good person or a bad person maybe has poor taste in men it's one thing to make videos disparaging someone for their character or some action they've taken that you disagree with but there are tens of thousands of videos just making fun of the sound of her voice do you not find that uncomfortable do you not feel that internalized misogyny all putting ourselves out there on this app, whether you're an influencer or not. Anything that you post could go viral and maybe not in a good way. How would you feel if you opened TikTok and just all you saw were videos making fun of your voice? Again, no real reason to defend this total stranger. I just think it's really uncomfortable. That's I the other thing. That. I vibe with that. As much as I loved like the interview and I actually, I said to my friend, like, I actually think she's a really down ass chick. Like, I don't know. Like, I would do what I... I think she and Azalea are kind of like birds of a feather, truthfully, which is why I found their little text exchange last week so funny, where they were kind of going back and forth, like sending each other texts of asking each other for like drugs and favors. That, those are those, those are just city girls talking. That's how people talk in the city. That's how people like go about things. But yeah, I just, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I feel like it's not even about whether or not Julia Fox finds it funny. It's about the precedent. And I do feel like she could be a really good lesson for that. This is what a Californian had to say about it. Were any other California girls just like completely unfazed by the way that Julia Fox said uncut gems? Because like literally that's how I would have said it. And I didn't see anything wrong with that. Until I saw people start making fun of her for it on TikTok and it becoming like trendy to do it. And then I was like, oh my God, like, I know that people who aren't from California aren't like super familiar with vocal fry and up talk, but I didn't think it was like to this level where hearing someone say uncut gems was like, like out of this world because almost everyone I know would have also said it like that. And I'm just, I'm shocked. So two things about this. One, Julia's from Manhattan. 
And a lot of people wouldn't have pegged that for a Manhattan accent, but I think you can notice that accent in two famous New Yorkers, Nikki and Paris Hilton. Yes. Yes. It's definitely a certain, you know, neighborhood in New York that would like you'd meet girls who have that kind of accent. But yeah, I mean, I'm deeply comforted by the accent. I have to say, I think maybe because it was like the era that I grew up in, like this, the web sort of Paris Hilton and like the simple life and like her and Nicole, like, and then also I was like a big fan of like watching Rachel Zoe project. And like, for me, these are places of like, of comfort of their like comfort TV and like comfort personalities. And like, it's a comfortable space for me. And I kind of love the sound. I, I really love the sound of it. And I would say that I, for me, like the thing, I, I really like saying uncut jams, like, cause it's really fun in my mouth and I don't mean any malice or harm by it. Like for me, it is genuinely like very endearing and very lovely but I don't think that that's where the majority of the content is coming from. Because <laughs> when I first saw it, I was like, oh, that's kind of cute. But I realized that maybe I may be in a, a minority, but. Yeah. So like backstory on my voice is that I didn't always sound like this either. So, you know, you guys know I'm from Massachusetts. I did not have a Boston accent. You guys can still tell that I'm from Boston because of some of my vowel usage. But I. I had like a, like kind of like a squeaky voice, like not like a squeaky voice, but I had a, a young girlish voice. And then when I got to college and I started doing comedy, I realized that people responded to my jokes better in sketch and stand up when I lowered the register of my voice. Mm -hmm. And so I started to do that intentionally and I started to smoke cigarettes intentionally to like hearty up my voice because I felt that that was a good like move for my career if that sounds crazy or not. But then I also moved to California. I started smoking pot. Like I, my voice also relaxed a lot. And for a very long time, that was a, it was a feature of mine. And I think it still is a feature of mine that people really respond to. Like, are you kidding me? Like, do you have any, I know for a fact, based off of like the messages I've gotten over the years, I feel like I could call up a man and say his first little middle and last name and he would come. Like there are people out there who that would work for. Okay. Because they've, they've romanticized my voice so much. They've sexualized it. It, it's just like it's it's like this can't win sort of thing where like some people work on their they cultivate a voice and they cultivate a personality. And in a world where we have, you know, 20 somethings out here using a mid-Atlantic accent, which was never an accent that has ever existed in time in any region of the country. It's like literally a made up accent for Hollywood movies. Mm -hmm. That to me is more interesting than someone speaking in a relaxed speech. And that's not saying that those people should be made fun of because they are clearly putting on a voice. It's just there's a generational difference. And I just feel like Okay, so all you bitches out here who are fucking speaking like John Mulaney now, like you like need to like realize that before you, before you guys, there was a generation of women who adjusted the way they spoke because they didn't want to be seen as too feminine or too serious or intimidating and found that people were more drawn in by like a relaxed, slightly deeper tone of speaking. Yeah. Yeah. Well, sometimes, so 
yeah, I I would say I have a fairly neutral British accent. I don't, I'm from Wales. I don't have a Welsh accent. When I go back and go spend time in Wales, I come back with a bit of a Welsh accent. And I think, I don't know, I have, a, I have that ear and it, it always really, <laughs> I used to be quite embarrassed by the fact that if I was spending time with somebody then, and I like them, I would mirror them unconsciously. And a yeah. lot of my time is spent talking to Americans. A lot of time in my life has been spent in America. And when I've come back from maybe like a long spell in the US, people will make comments about certain parts of my accent. And I know that like, you know, I speak to you for several hours every week. I have like a really good friend who I Marco Polo with, who's a, she's from originally California and she has like a kind of very Californian accent. My husband is American. I speak to him for two hours a day. A lot of the media that I consume is like in this tone, in this voice. And of course, like it, it, there are certain things that in parts of my, of my accent that take that on, the things that feel comfortable in my mouth to say that are not, it's not intentional. <laughs> it's just like, I'm hearing and absorbing and listening to and re-parroting what I hear and what's comfortable and it's adaptable and it's malleable and these things happen. But I, and I always found it like when people would like mock it when I would come back from the States, it was like, oh yeah, you said a thing, especially with like up talk or whatever. It was like, oh, you're starting to sound quite American. And I'm like, well, no shit, Sherlock. Like all I do is speak to Americans all day long. Yeah. And it's also a thing where like, I have a little bit of that too, Tiff, where like I will spend some time somewhere and I start to like inherit, inherit. I don't even know if that's what I mean, but like I'll start to pick up pieces, little bits and pieces of the way they talk and incorporate it into my own. And I've never done it because there wasn't affection there. Like there's places I've been where I want nothing to do with the way that the locals speak. <laughs> but if you spend some time and you're comfortable and you're well, like, you know, greeted well and you're in a great community, like you're a little bit more open to it. You don't do that with people you don't like. And yeah. so I don't know. I, I, whatever. So I want to play this last one that we have here. Please go like check out all of these TikToks. I have linked in the description. But this is just like for generally, there's so many people right now comparing Julia Fox and Kim Kardashian, which is ironic because if the Kardashians have been made fun of for anything throughout their career, it's their voices. Yes. Asses and voices. <laughs> this is not, this is not a good airport outfit. This right here. When y'all make these videos, um, are y'all consciously being misogynistic as fuck when you make it or do you, is it just so unconscious now? You made a video comparing two women to each other and judging them based off of what they're wearing to the fucking airport of all places and you did that over a fucking man because Julia Fox is dating Kanye West and he's now getting divorced from Kim Kardashian. One thing I not only find where besides the misogyny and the way that people talk about Julia Fox and want to shit on her because they like Kim Kardashian despite the fact that she's done literally nothing to Kim Kardashian but date Kanye West while he's been single is act like there are not fucking kids in the middle of this divorce or somehow make Julia Fox accountable for how y'all feel about fucking Kanye West. Like, it's just weird as fuck. Why do y'all need to do this? Yeah, so she stitched a guy who was like talking about Julia's 
low rise leather pants at the airport versus Kim wearing some ripped jeans. It's just so fucking stupid. Mm-hmm. Anyway, you guys think of, be more conscious about that. I would say, you know, I don't know if we're influencing people that make TikToks here, but uh, just be more conscious of that. Like, yeah. and and also being conscious of who you encourage it around and who you encourage it with. Like, I, I like I'm fine with like you know. There's friends that I have we're in a closed room. Like we might make fun of something like that, but then like but you don't go wide with it and you definitely don't introduce it to people that like like there's just you know like you know you know. There's there's just like there's certain people that you know are like fucking notorious haters or like so quick to turn on women. Yeah, especially women who are so quick to turn on other women. Like yeah. There's like rooms that you can have conversations in and I know that that will be like a controversial thing to say, but I think it's true, which is that like these conversations happen but they're not for everyone and they definitely are not supposed to be encouraged for men to feel comfortable doing that. It makes it makes me feel sick, especially considering Wells like from The Bachelor his big thing is that he was like a radio DJ. And it's like, you are someone who works in a place where your voice is your main feature. And all you like, to me, I just see that as someone threatened by someone who has a unique voice. Yeah. That's what the, um, the TikTok Julia Fox eyes filter is, (laughs) is really fun because it makes you look like you have very heavy eye makeup on. And I tried it and I was like, I need to start wearing heavier eye makeup. Do, okay, people ask me if you have Instagram. It's Maddox Creative Studio on Instagram. And you have a pub, like, I I think I have your TikTok in our description now. Mm-hmm. But people are looking for you, Tiff. Maybe I need to pop, I do, I'm going to pop back up. You know what I was thinking? I was thinking about doing this on TikTok as a like an entry level as an entry level like reintroduction to the world which is I'm finding it really difficult to notice the passage of time correctly since the pandemic and sort of anchor myself in like time and space and so what I wanted to start doing is just like making (laughs) like making little like postcards for myself of like not like every day. I don't know how I feel, but the TLDR of it all is that I, I probably am going to start posting again because the thing that I miss from when I used to do YouTube and when I used to be more like publicly available online was, was like having a, like a scrapbook that I could refer to and like everything I've ever done and posted is, is for me really, truly. Like it's for me to go back and look and, and see like where I was at that point in my life, like what I was eating, what I was doing, where I was traveling to. And I think I sort of, maybe felt like I don't think anybody beyond my immediate circle is that interested so I'm just going to close it down (laughs) and keep it to myself but I'm like I mean if other people want to see that that's fine too like come on in come I mean I made some video of my five-hour beef ragu if you want to see that I'll post that on TikTok come on over join in the ragu I would love to join in the ragu. And also, <laughs> babe, like, okay, I think like a couple of weeks ago, you asked me like, what's, what's it like going viral on TikTok? I will tell you this. Like, it is a nicer app. It's fucking nice. Like, it's a lot nicer. Like, it's unlike any sort of thing that I've ever been on where it's like, I'm always shocked by how mean people are willing to be. Yeah. But it's like safe. You know, it is, it, there is like a level of, 
I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's because it feels like Snapchat and people know that some of their phone numbers are linked to it or if people mm-hmm. just know that there's this like checks and balances in the community or what, but it's a, you said it before, it's a very accountable community. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I, I feel like the same as I'm spending a lot of time in VR at the moment and I'm loving it. Yeah. So have you been, uh, it's been better since we last spoke. Oh my God. It's been so good. Yesterday I was in a big screen room <laughs> and, and somebody called me a traitor because I said I was a Welsh person living in England. And there's this thing you can do in big screen where you can throw tomatoes. Um, and I think it's so that when you're watching a movie together, if you don't like it, you can throw tomatoes at the screen. And I was like, okay, well, why don't you, why don't I go stand in the middle of the room and you can all throw tomatoes at me and like purify me. So we did this like weird, like cult ritual where all these strangers threw tomatoes at me. And then every time somebody entered the room, we made them like confess their sins and then we pelted them with tomatoes. And then it was like, it's very weird cult behavior. And I've I'm very into that. No, I love that. I know. I I need to get on it. I just know that like, I don't know. My biggest fear is that I won't get addicted to it. My other biggest fear is that I'll get deeply addicted to it. Well, I'm I'm thinking about because I'm my fucking too much gene is kicking in all over the place when it comes to VR. But I spent some time on alt space today and I was in a like a fucking climate meetup where they had this room that was it was a recreation of this um, UNESCO World Heritage Site in Australia and you could watch videos from indigenous people and it was all about like climate and stuff. But the sky, they'd made the sky psychedelic and it was like being on mushroom. It was insane. And then I like met people. It was really nice. And then I was like, how difficult is it to build a world in in alt space? And it turns out it's probably not that difficult. So I'm going to learn unity and I'm going to build a I'm going to build a world in alt space. <laughs> I'm so proud of you. I am. I'm so proud of you. It makes me so happy to have such a technically inclined co-host and friends. Like I feel very, very lucky. And I look forward to more of your journeys. Are you going to be able to, is that something you'll be able to like link people to? Or yeah. are, you, are you going to be private on VR? No, no, VR. I'm all, I'm all over VR. So if you have an Oculus, you can add me. I'm Maddie Maddox. And I spend a lot of time in big screen. I would love to play Beat Saber with anyone who wants to play Beat Saber. And I'm thinking what I want to do is I want to host, like Alt Space is much more grown up than the other kind of like VR chat based apps. Like VR chat is a nightmare and it's like filled with the worst people. Big screen is filled with children. And so far, alt space is this very like grown up adult space, but also really fun. And I'm like, if I build a world that's called like, oh, I can't call it talk space because that already exists, but something yeah. that's like fun and interesting. Chat, chat, <laughs> chat world. I want to be VR Oprah. That's what I want to be. I want to build a yeah. world and I want to have VR fucking Harry and Megan sit down with me. And then chat and VR because there's this thing that happens when you like, when you are both in a physical space with someone or it feels like you're in a physical space with someone that you can see the, you can humanize people and you can empathize with them, but you do also have an anonymity because of this kind of like masking that's happening with your avatar. So you are simultaneously incredibly vulnerable and also incredibly protected. And I, I just, I fuck with that. I just, I want to hook me into the metaverse babe because that's it this is it for me I'm two-dimensional now I have to wait I have to hold back I know because I'll I will be no I'll start neglecting everything (laughs) I feel like this is a good ending point for this episode 
because we covered a lot of stories, but I really want you guys to go check this story that we're linking below. We can basically briefly summarize a TikToker had a horrible incident where I guess she had been chatting with this man that was like clearly an obsessed fan and her friends who in a different state, I believe were selling photos of her to this man. And even her parents let her sell a couple pictures of herself to him. Like, I think it was like, she sold him two pictures for $300 and her parents knew about it, but he shows up at their house. She's only 15. He's 18 in the middle of the night, like blasts through the door with a shotgun, I guess, thankfully, her father was an ex-cop and he used, you know, had Florida's stand your ground law on his side and just killed the guy when he tried to come back later. But yeah, it's nuts. And there's this other link that I want to include. It's a video of Mom Uncharted on TikTok who found a Patreon that was labeled for 18 plus users. She found their Instagram account and it was redirecting to a Patreon. And basically the parents are selling photos of their minor child, who's also like a tween, to people on under the guise that it's an 18 plus situation. There's over 2,000 patrons who are receiving pictures. And I, from what I can tell, right, the child is is clothed and not being physically abused but the fact that this is being sold as like under the counter like behind a paywall thing anyway is pretty dark to say the very least another thing I would like to get into with you if we have time maybe for a bonus up like later in the week or next week is this guy I don't love his YouTube channel I don't like the way he really talks to people but the dad challenge podcast is has finally like spoken up about I don't know if you're familiar with Maya Knight, the mom mm-hmm. of the twins, Scotch and Vodka or Vi- Scout and Violet. She, these babies are, there's already accounts out there that are like basically CP related or CSAM related mm-hmm. that are based off these little girls. There's deep, deep fakes. Like there's a lot of people who are very invested in seeing these young girls and there's overwhelming proof that shows that a lot of the people who are subscribed to these mom channels are actually like men, like older men. Yes. And he started to talk about Maya Knight. And then he also did a video about the situation with this girl, Ava, who's in Florida, whose dad shot her stalker. But Oh, and we should talk about Bebop and BB as well. If we're going down the uh, CSAM uh, rabbit hole of TikTok, that mother-daughter TikTok duo that fucking chill me to the core on TikTok. Oh, I haven't seen them. Oh, boy. you. I think if you – I'll send it to you and I think you will recognize – you'll recognize them or you'll recognize somebody like a drama channel talking about them. It's a mother and daughter. The daughter does pageants and – I've seen other TikTokers starting to make videos about them. And there's including one where for Halloween, there's a video where the mum had like their child with like wearing like a collar and a leash. No. Yeah. There has to be more protection. I know New York state passed a law recently. That's basically going to put like what the equivalent of like a Coogan account is in place for children of family vloggers and parents that monetize their children. Mm -hmm. But 
it's such it's it's such a trap, right? Because like on one hand, I can see why parents would do it. Like it feels like falling into easy money. On the other hand, like you are willful willfully ignorant or doing it despite the knowledge, which is just fucking evil. Yeah. You know, the level of danger, it's unreal. Hopefully we won't have like a major update on a story like this next week, but maybe we can get into it more there if we don't do a Patreon episode. But yeah, you guys, thank you so much for listening to Trend Lightly. We appreciate you so much. Make sure you go follow us on TikTok at Trend Lightly as well as all of our social medias. And yeah, Tiff, do you have any final words? No, just love you. Love doing it. Thank you for love listening. Love you. Love doing it. <laughs> Bye guys. Bye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I only can't girls. I don't know what you want to be, but I ain't never seen a shawty that look like a double G. Every girl in here 10, but it ain't no Tennessee. And you might just get some money, but it ain't no guarantee. Double G's on the left, double G's on the right. And you know I stay in Texas, I don't really like to fight. Like we in 2013, shawty do it for the vine. Shawty moving real well, I might have to wind it down. Threw the money to the center, now watch it hit the flow, now rag it up. Huh? Rack, rack, rack it up, king, bag it up. Huh? Back, back, bag it up, king, stack it up. Stack, stack, stack it up. She said, where you at? Say I'm Marcus down in Texas. And if I drop a pin, best believe that she on the Thought way. She was important, but I'm moving right about the way. Delta cheese tonight. Told her, baby, I got cheese tonight. Get a scholarship. I ain't smoking on no TAC, low tolerance. All these ladies telling me I'm finna blow. Like they tell her, shout out TurboTax, tax refund. What's another bag? Like the quarterback at recess. No rushing. You gon' end up like a Call of Duty mission. No rush. This ain't UT, white shirt orange like a pump. Mama call me, ask me how college is. I said, bless Hi, I'm Madigan from Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist, the podcast that explores the world through a personal, intersectional feminist perspective. I bring you two episodes a week. Every Monday, I cover something from a wide variety of topics, covering everything from feminist faves throughout history like Audre Lorde, listener coming out stories, and other hot-button topics like toxic masculinity and the Me Too movement as well as plenty feminist history, the good and the controversial. And then every Friday, I bring you a mini What's in the News episode to keep you up to date with everything that's going on today in the world. And with over 580 episodes available to you right now, there's plenty of good stuff to listen to. You can listen to Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to rage on. Bye.